back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. I'm Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors on the new hit show, Breaking Bad, which airs on the AMC Network. And I'm here with my uh, my boss, executive producer, Vince Gilligan. Hello. How is everybody doing? And I'm also here with one of the other editors, Skip McDonald. And we invited Skip in to talk about episode two because he, uh, he, you cut episode two, Skip. Yes, I did. It was a great episode to cut and a lot of action in this one. Oh, man. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I, I got to <laughs> say, um, you know, in, in editing in on this show, we have three editors here, um, Lynn Willingham, uh, myself, and Skip McDonald. And the way that uh, most television shows run it is um, you have three editors and they rotate. And so Lynn Willingham cut uh, 201, which was we discussed the last podcast, and Skip McDonald came on second, and he cut 202. You know, we kind of rotate the whole season. And so I guess I'm just saying that because I don't get to see them all. You know, I read the episode a long time ago, and I've seen pieces of it running around in, in our office, and I guess I thought in all of that that I had actually seen it, but I hadn't seen it. Right. And I watched it the other night, and I'm like, Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on in this episode. It takes us all over the place. Oh my, it sure does. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, we're just going to dive right in because, you know, I don't really have any metaphorical questions about episode two. <laughs> but I thought maybe, you know, we'd kind of start, you know, at the beginning and we'd work our way through it. But also I thought maybe we might want to do something a little bit different with our podcast and maybe have like a theme running. Uh, last podcast we talked about the writer's room mm-hmm. and this podcast, I'm thinking that maybe we should, might want to talk about the actors because in this one, holy cow, there's a lot of physical stuff going on. Wow. You know, poor Aaron Paul gets like whipped to death and uh, that is true. he gets thrown around constantly and you know, he weighs about, I don't know what, a hundred pounds soaking wet. <laughs> yeah. well, no, he's he more. He's he's uh, very physically fit. But he, uh, Aaron Paul, uh, who plays Jesse on our show, is such a trooper. I mean, we all know Brian Cranston is a, is a great actor. But I tell you, our whole entire cast is so wonderful. And Aaron and uh, Anna Gunn, who plays Skyler, and Dean Norris, who plays uh, Hank, and uh, Betsy Brandt, who plays uh, Marie, and R.J. Mitty, who plays uh, Walter Jr. we got such a good ensemble. And yes, uh, we should talk about Aaron, particularly in this one, because although it is it is very much Walt's episode in a lot of ways, because Walt is the one who's missing, and yes. his family is looking for him, uh, you know, far and wide, very worried about his health and general state of mind, Aaron Paul in this one has... The scene at the end of this episode where he's pleading for his life is it was I was there uh, I was luckily I was there when we were shooting that because I'm not there all that often unfortunately this last season season two I was in the writer's room a lot of the time but but I was there on the set when we were shooting that and man that was hard to watch it was hard to watch him do it, and re- it, it seems so real. And it, over it was and over and over and over and over, exhaust, yeah. exhausting and to watch. It's real. It's believable. And if you don't believe that he's going to die, you're watching the wrong show. Exactly. Because exactly. he is really good. He's, Man. he's he sells it to you, and it's it's terrifying to watch him in this scene. It is, and it, it's and it's hard to watch. Terrifying, all those things. You absolutely believe it. Everything <laughs> Skip just said, but also it's just. He's naked in that scene, emotionally. Uh, not obviously physically, but emotionally. It's like, I, I believe if you felt that close to death, violent death, you'd be, any one of us would be 
you know, snot running down our noses and, and just begging for our lives. And, and it, he just played it so honestly. And what a physically hard uh, scene to play, too, because, you know, right before that, immediately before that moment, uh, Raymond Cruz, who did a wonderful job playing Tuco, is, is beating the hell out of him. And uh, there's one scene that's actually in the show where Jesse comes busting out the back door of the shack that they're staying in. Yes. It's that is the shot in the one in the show. We made sure to use it. That is the <laughs> one where he hurt himself so badly that he had to go to the hospital. Yeah, I saw yeah. that, and I had seen pieces of it as the dailies were coming in. I I kind of wandered into Skip's room and I saw pieces of it, and I was like, "Oh my God, they're gonna kill him!" Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, well, <laughs> you yeah. know. And I'm going, "There's that's not a double. That, that's, no, no. that's Aaron." He he threw. Uh, Raymond Cruz is a, is a very uh, strong guy, and Raymond, you know, at one point picks him up and sort of hurls him against something. And But Raymond didn't want to throw Aaron through the door because, you know, Raymond's a good guy. He doesn't want to hurt a fellow actor. He's, he's not there. He's there to fake it, not to not to really do it. So he said to Aaron, I tell you what, how do you want to do this? And Aaron said, well, I guess I'll throw myself through the door because, you know, the camera's outside. The camera won't see that it's me launching myself through the door. And uh, Raymond said, yeah, let's, let's do it that way. So when he comes rocketing out there as if it were Tuco throwing him through the door, that's Aaron launching himself through. And, and Aaron always gives 150%, as do all our actors. Yes. But Aaron does it in a very physical and way. It, it really shows in that take. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's I mean, not it's... the first time that Aaron has gotten beaten up. <laughs> but you see the door come off his hinges. It's a, yes. it's a screen door, and that is not a fake TV balsa wood door. That was a real door, door that he took off the hinges, and he whacked himself in the head with the door. He told me later he doesn't even remember that take because he got whacked in the head so hard. He, he went on for another 10 or 20 seconds. Uh, played it perfectly and then collapsed right on the right on the set. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised when he hit the ground when he threw himself out the door that it didn't knock the wind out of him. I know. I'm surprised he got back up. He hit really hard and and just kept going through the scene like a professional. And then oh, all yeah. of a sudden it was just he did collapse and they moved on. But it was oh, incredible. My God. Like okay, Vince, when when you guys were writing in the writers' room about this episode, I mean, I know that that there were some issues uh, in the very beginning, scheduling issues. Uh-huh with uh, with this episode um i guess so people know out there usually we shoot the episodes in order 201 202 203 but this year we uh had to shoot a little bit out of order we shot 201 then we shot 203 then 204 and then 202 no and then no 205 and then then 202 202. and can you can you tell us a little bit about what what the decision was to do that well you know i should start by stating what's probably the obvious but it took me a while to figure out that the 201 and 202 uh the studio names them that uh two the two obviously refers to season two and oh yeah good idea oh two you know episode one episode two yada yada it sounds like we're on episode 201 i know <laughs> we should probably refer to these by their their names this one is actually 202 202 which shot as episode five or yeah, six five jesus i'm <laughs> confusing myself this episode is called grilled and I should say at this point, written by George Mastris, who did a wonderful job, been a staff writer since season one, did a great job on this, and directed by uh, Mr. Charlie Hayde, who used to play Rinko in Hill Street Blues, wonderful actor and a wonderful director who did a great job directing this episode. And oh, all yeah. The, all the great action and yes. shoot 'em up stuff. And So uh, 
the hell were we talking about? We were talking about <laughs> why, why we decided to shoot them out of order. Yes, the reason. Them out of order. Yeah, there was a very good reason to shoot this out of order. Uh, Ray Cruz, who plays, again, plays Tuco. You know, we ended last season with uh, that junkyard scene where Tuco says, all right, next week, you know, we're going to keep keep buying your meth. And, you know, he's beating the living hell out of his underling. And, of course, that's how we start our new season. Uh Raymond Cruz is a great actor and a wonderfully scary guy, and it was my intention originally to have him play at least for most of the season, our season two in Breaking Bad, and have him be Walt's partner slash nemesis uh, for quite a number of episodes. And unfortunately for us, uh, Ray is a regular on the TV show The Closer on TNT, and you should check him out on that. He's, he's good. Well, he's good anywhere he goes. He's a great actor. But he was unfortunately thus unavailable to us, uh, really at all. We only had one day of shooting with him in episode one, I believe, uh, literally one day in the junkyard. And like, for instance, in episode one, last week you saw uh, the one directed by Brian Cranston, we had, like I say, one day of shooting in the junkyard. And then at the very end of the episode, you see him pop up in the back seat at night in the back of Jesse's car. That was shot as well in that junkyard during the day with like uh, stuff covering the windows or it was shot in some garage or something on that junkyard grounds it's you know the magic of movie making did I you guess. know that no i didn't i didn't know that either because he that was the only time we had him we had to put him on a plane that night to go back to los angeles or i guess wherever they shoot the closer and then we didn't get him we, he wasn't available to us until our episode five or five five yeah and so I, the one that shot the one that shot in the fifth position the, the one that shot in the yeah the one that he wasn't available to us until our fifth position episode because at that point the closer was on hiatus and so then and only then could we get him. And so that's why we had to shoot all this stuff way out of order. But, uh, you know, again, stuff that you don't need to know uh, at all. Uh, and yet it's interesting, I guess. Or maybe it's not. It's, you be the judge. Well, no. You know what? The, the other thing, too, is um, I don't know if we touched on it, but you said you wanted to, to keep, you know, Tuco all this time. Yeah. But yet you you couldn't, yeah. and so that you had to change up had to change your up game your game plan during season one. Uh, unfortunately, the writers uh, went on strike, right? And um, and we had to cut our season short. And we what did we do? We did a pilot, and mm-hmm. then we did six episodes right. plus the pilot. Uh, and we originally were trying, trying, trying. I know you guys were in Albuquerque working very, very hard to get that uh, script number 107 written. Right. But unfortunately, it didn't make it by that writer's strike deadline. Right. And so I think a lot of people think that you are basically taking that stuff and recycling it this year. Yeah, well, and we certainly could, and yet we didn't. Uh, we had a, a writer on our staff, Jay Roberts, who did a great job writing our last episode of last season, and yet, as you just mentioned, it was an episode that was never shot. He wound up writing our first episode of this season, the one directed by Brian. Uh, we had a, a clear idea of what we wanted to do with our last two episodes last year, and then, the, as you said, the strike came along and, and sort of denied us the opportunity. And for our intents and purposes, it's just as well because we didn't use any of that stuff in Jay's episode from last season. Uh, we didn't use any of the ideas we were going to do last season because we would have done too much. We were ready to throw the kitchen sink at it, as it were. We were ready to take the plot in all kinds of crazy directions, interesting directions. It would have been fun. It would have been two really kick-ass episodes, but it would have taken the show plot-wise too far too quickly. And um, 
that's what you have a tendency to do sometimes as a showrunner when your show hasn't yet gone on the air and you are desperate for people to like what it is you're doing and to be excited and enthralled by it so you have a tendency to do too much and I feel like fate took a hand and 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 kept me from my uh you Line know one. baser instincts <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so um uh, you know, it, it's it's funny because you have ideas for how to do your show and, and things you want to do with it. And, for instance, like I say, Tuco was going to be a pretty big part of season two. And, and yet, unfortunately, this wonderful actor, Ray Cruz, was not available to us for long enough for us to do the things we wanted to do with him. And, and so we came up with a whole different direction sort of on the fly. And actually, I like the direction we've taken it in better now that it's behind us. So that's how it works sometimes. So holy cow, Tuco's dead. Yeah. So there's nobody to go against Walt now. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. First of all, first and foremost, Walt is his own worst enemy. So Walt, <laughs> yes. Walt, in, in, you know, just left to his own devices can screw up his own life pretty damn bad. But uh, I, I, I think there may be some other bad guys lurking out there in upcoming episodes. So, you know, last week when we were talking about the theme of starting at one point in the story and jumping back. Um, and lo and behold, I'm starting to watch the episode the other night, and that's exactly what you do again in this episode. Yeah. You, you jump back again. Yeah. Well, you know, George Masters wrote uh, a great episode last season. Uh, he introduced Tuco. He introduced Tuco. I'm drawing a blank now. Episode number It was uh, episode 105. 5. It was 105, uh, and it was called... Uh, it was called... What was it called, Skip? You cut that yeah, episode. It's the one with... The, it's the poker thing. It's the poker reference. Um, oh, 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 uh, uh, hand, Crazy Handful of Nothing. Crazy Handful of Nothing, yes. Yeah, okay. crazy, crazy, handful, crazy Handful of Nothing, the title of uh, which is a reference to a great line George Kennedy says to Paul Newman in the wonderful movie Cool Hand Luke. You, you beat me on a crazy handful of nothing. It was a poker game where Paul Newman shows what a great bluffer he is, his character shows. And, uh, yeah, so uh, George Masters in that episode started off the episode with the end of the episode, you know, with the, the explosion. Uh, oh, Walt, yeah, that, Walt, that yeah. did it too. Walt yeah. has blown up Tuco's <clears throat> lair, uh, not destroyed it, but just blown the windows out and whatnot and, and just sort of caused general havoc and, and thus uh, gained Tuco's respect. And, yeah, so we felt like... Uh, Starting off this one with the end of the episode would be a good way to go. Of course, the beginning of this episode, and thus the end of it, shows Jesse's uh, red lowrider Monte Carlo car bouncing on its own and and the windows blown out and and empty (laughs) M16 shell casings everywhere and the dirt and blood. Mayhem. Mayhem, you know, the aftermath of terrible mayhem. And so, of course, we're led to believe, oh, my God, Jesse and Walt, you know, something terrible has happened. And then you got to watch the hour to see. Yeah, and so, it makes you wonder right from the start. What are you going to see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what, it was funny because I had seen pictures of it. I had seen you know shots and I'd seen clips and sequences, but I hadn't seen the whole thing. But I had read it, and so I felt like I'd seen it. I'm yeah. like, boy, I start watching, it and the glass is flying off the car as the car's bouncing. <laughs> that fake glass is interesting stuff. That's it's you can grab up handfuls of it, and it feels like rubber. It's some sort of Japanese packing material or something. There's a, a name for it that the prop guy told me. I can't remember what it is, but it. It looks just like broken yeah, tempered I, glass. Yeah, I never knew it was anything I, different than broken glass. No, I thought uh, it was too. I mean, the yeah. sound effects 
the, our sound guys do such a great job that, you know, I thought it was glass. Yeah, our, I had no idea. Well, our sound guys, uh, good point, they have to add in those sound effects because this rubber fake glass doesn't make any sound at all. So they, our sound guys in the sound mix have to add in all that stuff. And Skip, uh, it should definitely be noted here, did a hell of a job editing this thing. Right just on, thank just, you. Man, yeah. it, was, it was a fun episode to cut. Was it? Was a lot, it a lot, of, of, lot of stuff going on, a lot of choices to make, yeah. and... Uh, you know, we really brought it together at the end. You know, it was it's again, it's always a collaboration. Absolutely. You know, myself, the director, then then Vince comes in and and we get it all tightened up and locked up, and it just it just works every time. TV is interesting too. Both of you guys, being editors, can speak to this. TV is you know, in a movie, you tell your story and you tell it as well as you can, but you don't worry. I mean, you worry a little bit about how long it is, but it doesn't have to be right to the second. You know, if you want to make a movie, it can be two hours and ten minutes or two hours and three minutes or a, an hour and 47, whatever. You know, in TV, not only do we have to tell the best story we can tell, it has to be, what's the number there? It has to be exactly. 47, 47, 07, 04. Yeah. 47 minutes, seven seconds, and four frames. Meaning 24 frames to a second. So right down, it has to be right down to four frames? Well, that's what they want, yeah. yeah. That's Jesus. the number that they've given us. <laughs> but it has to be right to the second nonetheless. And yes. uh, so it's, uh, you know, what's that great old uh, uh, wonderful science fiction writer, uh, Harlan Ellison, wrote an essay about sleepless nights in the Procrustean bed, talking about <laughs> working in television, but the reference being to that great old uh, Greek myth about Procrustes who made people lie down in, in this bed and it was it was exactly six feet long and if you if you were too tall he'd lop off your feet and if you were too short he'd stretch <laughs> you on the rack because you had to fit perfectly i always love that reference in that essay but it's it, tv is the procrustean bed because it whatever your story is you're telling unless you're counting cable like hbo or something that has a little more leeway you know on, on our show and certainly on network it has to be exactly to the second and so that's a whole other skill you, you guys have, you editors have, yeah. where it has to be, you have to tell the story the best it can be told, and yet you have to tell it right to the second, not one second longer, not one second shorter. Yeah, and sometimes it gets difficult getting those last few seconds out of the show. Oh, man, yeah. And to keep the story moving along without anybody noticing yeah. that you've, you've every, lost things. Yeah. Every week um, as we were, we're cutting, Skip and I, you know, we go through a, a process here um, we editors have a cut, and then the director comes in, and they work on the show for a few days, and then the producer comes in, Vince comes in, and he looks at the show and works on the show for uh, some time, and then and then he goes off and does the next show, and it's up to us to take you know everything that he's done and try and whittle it, whittle away, <laughs> whittle away to to get these last few seconds out of the show. The last few are the toughest, but we've had them. We had first cuts that were 18 minutes over. We had yeah. to cut 18 minutes out. And that was mine. I had the <laughs> longest show. I had the longest show last year, too. Longest though. one yet. I had the, I <laughs> yeah, had the longest show last year, which was uh, uh, the show with the uh, with the intervention. That oh, was yeah, quite absolutely, long. Uh, episode 104. And, and uh, this year, Gray the Matter. show that yeah, yeah. Gray Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because um, one thing that you're really talented at being very surgical about these pieces, because we don't lose story, and very rarely do we lose scenes at all. I mean, we don't have deleted scenes or lifted scenes at all on our shows. Every um, now and then, but, but, but not that often. It's very, very, very rarely. Yeah. We, we find the time in the minute places, and 
and we get it out. So, but you know, and I wanted to ask you a little bit, Skip, because um, I remember when the dailies were coming in for this show, two hundred two, and um, you had a lot of footage. You know, especially for that last shootout, yeah, I remember. Yeah. You know, you had and and the just so I'll let uh, people out there know. Um, usually, as an editor, you usually get. Um, that all of the dailies for one scene, you'll usually get them in one day. So at least you have everything to work for. But I think I remember the dailies for that last shootout coming in in like a series of what, three, four days? I think it was three days it came in. And I think it ended up being about four or five hours worth of wow. shot footage that turned out to be a scene, what, that was probably it's no three more minutes? Than 20? No, the, well, just the shootout the itself. Shootout. Well, oh, you, well it's if you count, what? once the bullets start flying, the whole thing can't be more than. 50, 45 seconds yeah. right yeah. and you know you get hours of footage and you've got to pick the right pieces yeah. and, and get the performances and sometimes there's one little piece that doesn't work so you've got to figure that out yeah. but uh, this one really came together Charlie did a great job Charlie with, with a, all the pieces he yeah. did Charlie knows shoots the hell out of those action sequences but both the uh, I mean the shootout was great and I knew it would be great but, but the scene in some ways my favorite scene action scene in the episode is is the previous scene is when uh, Walt and Jesse uh, are about to be killed by Tuco, and then uh, they—that's very violent. One of the most violent fist fights, or, or you know, down and dirty wrestling matches yes. I've ever seen anywhere. <clears throat> and uh, just Charlie <laughs> shot the hell out of it. It was, yeah, that was. And Skip good. cut. I didn't have a single note on that scene. Skip cut that scene beautifully, and I don't think we changed a frame of it. It was great. No, we didn't. We we took a couple pieces out to get our timing down. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think for the overall, it was oh, no, it, was, it was in good shape from from the beginning. Yeah, shape. I remember. Um, I, Charlie Haid at the time was uh, when Charlie his time to come in here and work with you, Skip. He was also doing an ER, I think. Yeah, he was prepping the an ER to shoot. And so he didn't even come in that that much to work with you, right? I mean, he was really happy when he saw what you had done. Yeah, I mean, you think he came in like he he had a quick break. He'd come over here for a couple of hours, and we'd look at things and give me some notes and go away. Yeah. So Skip, let me ask you about your little bit about your process. Um, I might pick something up, pick up some pointers here because <laughs> I I haven't had dailies come in over a couple of days. When you got your dailies and you knew that it was a big scene, did you do you start in right away? Do you start making uh you know pick choices and stuff like that, or well, are it, you trying it, to wait? It depends on how it comes in. I I think I was fortunate enough to get like a chunk of the beginning of the scene so I could look at that stuff and formulate what I would do and it wasn't like I got a little bit of the beginning a little of the middle a little of the end it kind of it came in sections oh that's good least. that's really so helpful. then you could formulate it and and start picking pieces and deciding where you would want to go and things to use and you could build it over the time so it wasn't like a day of of wasted time. So, do you know how many gunshots are actually in the sh- in the scene? No, <laughs> not with the automatic weapon that that Tuco's handling. That thing just went off and oh, kept man. going. Well, that's a story too. That damn M16, that thing misfired. It's loaded with blanks, and um, it wasn't the gun itself. It was the uh, yeah. In that particular version of of a prop weapon, that was a real M16 at one point. But then the the, the guys at the weapons house thread in this uh, uh, arrestor in the in the uh, muzzle of the, of the rifle 
so that it increases the gas pressure, I guess, so, you, so that you can use a smaller, uh, less explosive blank, and yet the, uh, the mechanism cycles and you can fire full automatic. Okay. But something was wrong with that thing, and, and we rented the wrong one or something, <laughs> the wrong kind of blanks or some damn thing. But uh, every time Ray would pull the trigger, it'd go, bam, and then it'd stop, and then he'd say, ah, damn it, we'd have to reset, reset and, you know, it and go and back to one and reset it. God, that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, I, I think early on in the scene when he throws Jesse out and they get into the little scuffle and fight, yeah. at one point I think something happened to the gun and something got bent and he's going, wait, I can't do anything with it. I've got to start over. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. don't know if it was the mechanism malfunctioned or if it actually got bent. I don't know. But there was something, there was a problem with it at that point. Well, there's too. a lot of problems with it. I mean, we got a great prop department, but uh, those guns had to come from Los Angeles and I don't know. Stuff happens. Yeah, Snafus but, happen. but, but as it, a viewer, you'll never know there were any ever any yeah. problems with I, it. I didn't know, and well, I mean, I'm looking at it pretty, with a, a pretty keen kind of eye. Thing. Yeah, keen eye. We know we can do now too that we couldn't do back in the '70s or even the '80s, uh, maybe even the early '90s. Was well, I guess when I started in the X Files, we could do this in the early '90s. But it's a relatively new thing being able to do all these computer effects. Uh, there, there were gunshots in that sequence where he probably wasn't even actually firing the gun, but we added in a muzzle flash digitally yes. after yes. the fact, and you can't tell the difference. It's no. amazing. No, and I think we added some in when uh, Hank was shooting, too. Yeah. We exactly. enhanced a couple of Hanks, we enhanced I know a couple. that. Because uh, the, the flash, you know, a lot of you folks listening probably know this, but, you know, we're photographing motion picture film at 24 frames a second, which means that the, the exposure time is 148th of a second. So that's 150th of a second, pretty much. That's a pretty short mm-hmm. amount of time. You either are lucky enough to catch the muzzle flash on film or you're not. So half the time you're not catching it. So yeah. luckily with today's technology, the ones we, we miss, we just digitally insert a flash. And then we, we did that thing uh, with Tuco where we flipped him, we mirror imaged oh, him, yes. and put the uh, his birthmark on his other cheek. On the other side. <laughs> we had a, a scene where it was right in the scene before he, uh, when he's got the gun on, uh, on Jesse's Jesse. head. He's going to shoot Jesse in the head, and Jesse's about to grab the rock and whack him in the head. There's one close-up on Tuco where, uh, you know, Skip knows Skip, Kelly, all three editors, uh, Lynn included, know all the tricks. They got all these great tricks, and uh, Skip flipped it, did a mirror image flip of Tuco because his eyes were facing the wrong direction. So he flipped him so his eyes were facing the right direction. But then he had his, it was either a prison tattoo or a I think it was mark, a teardrop tattoo. A teardrop tattoo, yes. <laughs> and once it was mirrored, imaged, it was on the wrong cheek. So then uh, Diane Mercer, our associate producer, who's in charge of all our post-production, she, she took this mirror image uh, uh, shot. She had her guys, her effects guys, erase the tattoo off of the one side of Tuco's face where it was and then she digitally inserted it onto the other cheek where it was not and and you can't tell the difference it's yeah. it's amazing these some uh, tricks you know the effects the technology now is amazing you know what Vince I, I gotta ask you though about T- Uncle Tio oh I'm so glad <laughs> How, oh, so important to mention Mark Margolis come, I mean Uncle Tio and the yeah. bell come no, on <laughs> um, uh, well I gotta tell you uh, I'm so glad you mentioned it because I I would have felt terrible if we had ended this particular, uh, what are these things called? Podcast. 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 Thank you. I'm not real up on the, all the new stuff. But uh, uh, I would feel real remiss if uh, we had ended this podcast without talking about Mark Margolis, the wonderful actor who played Tio. 
We call him Uncle Tio, but that's just like saying <laughs> Uncle Uncle, uncle. <laughs> like Mister Mister. But, it's, it's but cool. so he played Tio, and uh, he is a very much an able-bodied uh, uh, actor uh, who played this character of Tio wonderfully. He's a he is such a fine what a, what a sweet guy and what a fine actor. He I've loved him in movies for years, going way back to. Uh, he plays the, this uh, character, the, the assassin in Scarface, who was riding around in the car with Al Pacino, and he's going to blow up the, uh, the car of the guy who's the, uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank now, but it, like a guy who's going to cause trouble for Al Pacino and his drug gang, and, and except that the kids are in the car, and so Al Pacino, coked up as he is, doesn't want to kill the kids, and, and Mark Margolis' character is talking in Spanish, saying, you know, blow him up, blow him up, and Al Pacino shoots him in the head. <laughs> and... Uh, and he's just so scary in that role, and he's such a fine actor. He plays, he's, uh, he's one of the favorite, I, I, I'm assuming this, he's in pretty much all of, um, who's the wonderful director who did, uh, just did uh, The Wrestler and oh, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. He's in a lot of Darren Aronofsky movies. I'm assuming uh, Darren Aronofsky loves him, and, and why wouldn't he? Mark Margolis is a wonderful actor, and we felt so lucky to get him to play T.O., but can yeah. you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe going back to the writer's room and deciding that he was going to be in a wheelchair with just a bell? Well, the bell was, uh, that was, uh, whose idea was that? That might have been Sam Catlin's idea, uh, the idea of having a, I can't remember. You know, that's the great thing about being in the writer's room. It, it just, the ideas just kind of flow, and they you're, you're in the room. It's all, you're, you're part of the process, and you kind of forget who said what. But I think it was Sam Catlin who came up with the idea of the bell. <laughs> but uh, but we love the idea of this guy who seemed like a vegetable. You know, yeah. seemed like he didn't have anything going on upstairs. And it turns out he's just the canniest old dude ever. He's just you know he 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 is indeed, you know, stroke stricken and has a can't talk and you know. But he can ring that damn bell. <laughs> you know, yeah. And he can and he's smarter than than his nephew is. You know, and he's more cunning and uh, and that's saying a lot because you know. Tuco's pretty cunning, yeah. but uh, but but you know, for for Tio, a guy who has no words, he sure says a lot in the show. That's well put. I he, mean, he, he really says does. a lot. And you know, by the way, uh, we originally thought, and this shows what a fine actor can do, how how much good acting elevates. It's an obvious statement, but how much good acting elevates, you know, storytelling. Because mm-hmm. our original thought was, we just want a guy with a really interesting face, who can be in that wheelchair and just look, you know, like a little zombie-ish, you know, and like, you know, but but just with a really amazing face. Let's just get an extra with a really great face. You know, the guy doesn't need to be an actor. He doesn't, he's not saying anything. He's not doing much. He's sitting there, you know, in a wheelchair. Yeah. Oh, man. I could not have been more wrong. And when you get an actor of, of Mark Margolis's caliber, he's doing so much with, with so little. He, yes. Not only is he not talking in words, he's... He can't move. He can't use his instrument, you know, his body very much. He's he's got to play it stricken, paralyzed, and yet, just what he does with his eyes. His eyes know, are just—they tell you all kinds of things. They tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. yeah and do. he was Charlie really shot him really well. He shot all these different angles, especially yeah. of the bell and when he's ringing the bell, especially when he's going crazy about, um, you know, it, it's ricin that they—it's the ricin that yeah. they made. Yeah. The ricin lace method they're trying to put in the meat there. And, 
you know, that bell and he's going crazy on yeah, it. Yeah. It's just like, I just thought it was great. Oh, yeah. Good job, Skip. Yeah, well, really good you. job. Thank really you. Really good job. Well, well we should probably wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, um, so. We're running out of bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we will reconvene on episode 203. 203, which is titled uh, uh, Bit by a like, Dead Bee. Love that title. Yes. Great title refers to, well, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. It's a, it's a movie reference. See if you know what movie it's from. But uh, this one, again, was episode number 202. It's called Grilled, and it was uh, written by George Masters. Directed by Charlie Hayden. And, and uh, okay, great. Edited by Skip yes. McDonald. Edited by yes. Skip McDonald. And right. we have a great team here. I mean, we couldn't do this on our own. The, the team is excellent here. Well, it's a real collaborative effort, for sure. Thanks, Skip. I'll give you uh, I'll write you a check. I owe you money, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn right you do. I, I owe you money. Right. Okay, thanks, guys. See you Thank later. Thank you.